and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk Podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number eight. And today we're talking about recorders in the music room. We'll also share highs and lows from our school week, a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give you some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So it's time to share our high notes and low notes from the music room this week. We're going to start with Tanya. What do you have for us today, Tanya? Uh, well, I have a low note, but it's um, it's only slightly low. Okay. Um, it's kind of more like a uh, facepalm low uh-huh. kind of thing. So we're talking about recorders today, which is very exciting. I really love recorders. And um, one thing I do when we start recorders, and, and we just started this week, it's very fresh, is uh, I bring my flute to school and I do a little bit of flute versus recorder. And we talk about the differences and uh, once upon a time, I even had them do thinking maps on it when that was a, a big thing. I mean, it's still a big thing, but anyway. Yeah. So we talk about the differences because I'm always aware that a lot of kids will call them flutes, right? Yes. Oh, and yeah. This is something that I'm like, no, we got to get our terminology straight. This is a recorder. This is a flute. Hey, look how they're different here, and we hold them differently, different materials. Anyway, so I was doing that with um, my third graders earlier this week, and Actually, it was yesterday morning that this happened. I was outside doing my um, my duty outside and uh, moving along cars through the hug and go lane. And this parent rolls down her window as she as she's slowly driving by. She says, "Oh, Miss Lejeune, is it too late for us to purchase a flute?" And I had to stop. <laughs> and I and I did not retort. Well. Go down to music and arts and uh, spend a few hundred. Go ahead and buy yourself a flute. Knock yourself out. <laughs> I did not say that. I said, oh, no, and there are recorders and um, that you can still buy them. I'll be accepting money any old time uh, uh. from here on out. But anyway, so it was kind of like, wow, I've been working so hard with the kids to make sure we call them recorders and not flutes. And then, and then I have a parent who, like, calls it a flute. But yeah. I guess I should just let it go. That's really hard. Especially with my, my uh, ESL kids, because there really isn't a good translation from record for recorder that I sure. found. Well, that's a good reason to make that flub. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, true. Whatever. I still try to teach it to them, but yeah, I yeah. hear you. It's, it's, it's a small low, but whatever. And what do you have for us? Do you have a high or low? Oh, I just have a high. It's just a cute little story. So yesterday was Valentine's Day. Yay, Valentine's and, Day. And um, we... I love the the first grade teachers at my school. However, they sent the first graders to us all sugared up after their Valentine's party. You have classes after the party? Well, we volunteered to switch our special schedule so that we could have the first graders earlier in the day. And um, then our planning at the end of the day to do a little flip-flop so they could have their party at the end of the day. And they said, oh, no, we're not going to have a big party. It won't be a big thing. Sure. Which, of course, it it became a big thing. And, I mean, I get it. It's not their fault. Parents get excited. First grade. It happens. Mm -hmm. So they basically started lining them up outside for specials. And the three specials teachers looked at each other and said, yeah, no, we're going outside. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a beautiful day in Colorado yesterday on Valentine's Day. So... We were lucky enough to do that. So anyways, we took the kiddos outside, had them put their stuff against the wall, and off they went to play. And uh, one of my sweet little first grade girls came trotting up to me and in her lovely head voice started singing one of the Valentine songs that I had taught them um, previously. What, in did the she week. Pl- what was she singing? Well, I'm a little embarrassed to say, Uh-oh. but I will say it's a song I, I think I made up. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Us, us Kodai folk don't do that very often. But I made up this little Valentine's ditty. Shall I sing it for Please you? Please sing it. Okay, it goes like this. Valentine, Valentine, who's it for? Valentine, Valentine, leave it at the door. Lovely. Yeah, I, I made it up on a whim one time, and I liked it because I like the so-so-me pattern, and um, the game that we play is I have this little stuffed animal teddy bear with a little Valentine. And it's like a chase game. I walk around and then I leave it 
it at the door, drop it behind one of the kids' back, and then they have to chase it like a duck, duck, goose. So, um, you know, there's many lovely Valentine songs out there, but I don't remember why I made it up one time, but I did, and it stuck with me. You can, like, keep that for all seasons. I, well, yeah. What's coming up next? Easter eggs, Easter eggs, yeah. no, leprechaun, lepre- oh yeah, I always forget St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. Pint of beer, pint of beer. Yeah, well, we can't go there. No, yeah. um, anyways, but it was so cute. And then what was really even cuter than that is that then it became this chain reaction because then the other children heard her start singing it. They didn't play the game, but they all were running around the playground, trotting along, playing and singing the Valentine song Aww. and then continue to sing it all the way out to their cars where I'm hoping that they continue to sing it all night long because how cute is that that's adorable it was very sweet very nice it's time for our main theme which is recorders yay yay now i seriously love teaching recorders yeah and me not so much oh really i mean i don't hate it i don't 100 percent hate it i i've some years i've liked it better than others yeah. maybe it depends on the group but um it's it's not my favorite but mm-hmm. i do see the value in it yeah sure. um it's taken me a really long time to love teaching recorders i feel like i've really worked on different aspects of it to keep myself engaged and not go crazy about it because I tell you what I have done years that I have hated it because of how I set it up in my room yeah especially when it comes to and we'll get to this recorder karate belts um, I have had the days where I'm like oh my gosh this must stop stop the madness <laughs> um, little side note and we'll talk more uh, that having kids quote practice on their own all over the room doesn't work yeah it doesn't that doesn't work if if everyone's supposed to be individually practicing you know in this room everybody can hear everybody it it's not very successful so I mean that was something that took me a while to figure out so I have a different way of doing that and I trade off a lot between whole group playing and small group playing and like kids playing solos and playing for belts but anyway let's back up and talk about what grade levels Oh, we okay. do. Or actually, let's even back up further. Why? Why should we do recorders? Why? Well, um, it's a great first instrument. It is to a play. fantastic first instrument yeah, to play. It's it's in the range that they sing in. Yeah. So it really lends itself well to do ensemble work that involves singing, playing recorder, orf instruments, putting it all together. Um, and if you buy a quality recorder, you can get a quality sound. Oh, you definitely can. I know there's lots of, you know, um, exaggerations out there about how horrible recorders sound, and they can. But, um, yeah, if you buy good quality recorders yeah. and you teach the children how to play correctly, it's about playing it well and having a horrible. quality instrument. Yeah, and I always give this spiel to my um, students when we start. I mean, I, I have recorders that I purchased from West Music, and then I sell them to the students. Um, and I also sell a recorder book and a recorder strap if they want to use that. Mm-hmm. They don't have to buy these things. I have a classroom set that I clean every day. But um, what I liken it to is when you are learning to write, kids, you had crayons, you had paper, you had pencils, you had pens, you had markers, you had all these good materials to use. And so you were able to learn to write and you were given really good materials to do that. If you had would have been given like a stick and some mud on the concrete, <laughs> then uh, you would have gotten really frustrated. Yeah. And that is very similar to learning to play an instrument when it's a really bad instrument. So if you bring in a do- dollar store recorder, you know, that's been obviously like punched out. The, the finger holes have been yeah. punched out by some factory thing and it's like yeah. a shiny purpley, translucent, you you know, um, you're going to get frustrated because you can play very well and not make that piece of junk sound. I don't say piece of junk to the kids. Well, and I've I've played, I mean, 
and not to pick on the kid, but if a kid does bring in one, I ask them to play a B, and then I'll play a B oh, on, yeah. on one of mine, and then all of a sudden they hear that, oh, it's very Oh, yeah, I just did that the other day, and I yeah. didn't have the kid do it because we hadn't started yet. I was like, okay, hey, let's listen to the piano. Let's listen to my recorder. Now let's listen to your recorder. Yeah. Wow, that's a huge difference. You're yeah. going to feel awkward when we're playing, right? and yours sounds a quarter tone lower than exactly. everybody else's. Yeah, I mean, I say, you know, feel free to play that at home. I know you're excited about it, but just don't bring it here. <laughs> I don't even say that. I say burn it. Burn Go it. Go burn this. Burn it down. So what, you said you get them from West. So are they are they a West Music brand or which ones uh, do you get? It's the Yamaha. What is it? I'll put a link. Um, it's the it's a Yamaha three-piece. Oh, I don't know. It's like YMC something. Oh, you know. right. Yeah. That's the exact same one it's I It's like get the to. bestseller one. It is. So I, and maybe you do something similar. So I have a set and they're all the white ones mm-hmm. of the, the Yamaha Soprano recorder. But then when the kids get their own, I let them choose the colors. Oh, you so, so they nice. have, well, for two reasons. One, because I think it creates the buy-in. Okay. That they get excited that they can choose the pink or the blue or the green. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, then I know which ones are theirs and which ones are mine. Oh, that's good. And mine don't go walking off. Oh, Because yeah. then, yeah, then I know the white one is mine. And the colored ones are theirs. Right. And they, oh. they sound just as good. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I've not experienced yeah. the colored ones. I just decided a while ago, I'm not messing with it. We're right. just getting this one. I can trust this brand. I can trust this yeah. specific, you know. I recorder. mean, there might be a very slight difference, but to my ears and to the kids' ears, they do sound the same. So as far as playing together. But that's a great idea that two. you can uh, distinguish them from yeah. yours. That's yes. a good one. That's and important. having that color, the get excited about they it. They do get excited about it. That's Definitely. awesome. All right. So what grade do you do? So I've always just stuck with fourth. I know there's, you know, different opinions about, you know, spanning over grade levels. To me, in both of my schools that I've taught at, they're both Title I schools with a high turnover rate. So I think there was one year where I thought, I'm going to sneak in a little bit of recorder at the end of third grade so that they have a little leg up for fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And I had such a high turnover rate that I had to basically start over again in fourth Uh. grade anyways. So to me, I've never really found it worth it other than just like my general Kodai sequence, which obviously is going to build from year to year. I don't do something specific like recorder or piano or guitar or anything like that over one grade level. I try to keep something like that isolated to one grade level. Okay. So I just have done fourth. Okay. Not I, to say that that's the right answer, but that's just well, really, what has worked it well It depends for. on your situation. Exactly. So I do recorder starting in third grade. Third graders um, at my school, we started just this week. Fun. In fact, I just got done with my first rotation. Oh, yay. Of first day of recorder, and I had my daughter and her class today. Oh, yeah. And she she's so excited Boy, about I bet it. She is. You know, I I'm really like amazed that she's this excited about it because I I try not to like you know make a huge deal. I, I of course she's taking piano lessons and she's in the Colorado Children's Corral, all this. But I try not to be like really pushy about, especially me being her music teacher at school. Right. You know, I just, I want to treat her like I would treat the rest of the kids, but uh, she had it in the car today on the way home, and, oh, and I kept looking back, and I had to keep saying, get that left hand on top, <laughs> left hand on top, look at your stamp on your hand, and um, and she figured out hot cross buns, and she's like, now what do I do? I said, keep all those three fingers down, now you repeat that G, um, and Love she... She was really working on it. It's really hard for the third graders to cover those holes. Yes. And that's but. another reason why I've, I've shied away from it doing too young, too, is mm-hmm. for that reason I found that it can be frustrating for some of them. Some of them. But they can do it. And I really do, like today, um, it was day one of recorders, and we really talk about the principle of how a woodwind instrument makes it sound. Yeah. Because we talk about, okay, if I go over to the piano and I play a B, I press it down, I press down the key, and there you go, and the hammer hits the strings inside, and we've got a B. If I take this mallet and I go over to that metallophone and I play a B, we hear a B. Now, if I put this recorder in my mouth and blow and I tap on this hole, it does not make a B because it has to do with lengthening and shortening the tube, and so we talk about that. There's also a um, good video from... 
Oh my gosh, one of the, the symphony websites that talks about um, woodwind instruments like a tube and um, I can't remember what it is. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, not off the top of my head. Okay, I'll try to find it and, and link yeah. to it. But we talk about how on a woodwind instrument, it has to do with making the tube longer and making it the pitch lower and shorter. You know, and it, the air is escaping through these holes. So you've got to seal that hole and cover it up. Right. Because I don't know if you've ever had the experience of seeing kids, that there's some kids who really think that you press on the hole and it's going to make a sound like a piano. Have you ever seen this? No. Well, really? Not that I've noticed. I <laughs> always like, have like one or two kids at the beginning. They just want to tap on it. Yeah, like, like they're playing a like piano. Like it's a button. Like it's a button. Huh. I know. No, I just, I have the problem with kids just not pushing down hard enough. Oh, like sure. Like they just oh so gently lay their finger on uh -huh. there and I tell them, no, you you got to squeeze a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, not to the point where it hurts, but... Now I'm going to have to watch for that because maybe that has been happening and I haven't put that Well, together. it's not a, like a real common thing. Yeah. I, I usually have like one every year. Huh. Okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I just want to make sure they understand that. And then, like I mentioned earlier, we do the whole recorder versus flute. Here's a flute. Here's a recorder. Yeah. Look how they're different. Um, but they have the same principle of lengthening that tube and making the, the sound lower. Um so day one, recorder, and I'm just going to pick your brain. Yeah. Um, what what do they walk out then being able to play themselves? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's fine. I mean, that's, that's um, a legit answer. Yeah, like a B. Yeah. Because, okay, so, and this is something that I, I have gone back and forth with, like, my entire career as far as when the instrument is first in their hands, like, how much prep do you do before they get to make a sound? How much don't, you know, how much do you let them explore? And mm -hmm. I've gone back and forth and I do something a little bit, I don't know, maybe controversial. Maybe some people think it's crazy. Um, it's a little painful, but on day one, I uh, hand out recorders to kids who have bought them and kids who haven't bought them use a classroom recorder and it's been cleaned and all of this. And I do stamp their hands on the way in. I stamp their left hand. So I have a little cute little treble clef stamp. That's a great idea. And um, while they're before they even walk in the room, while they're standing in the hallway, I said, "Put your left, put your left hand on top of your head," because it's easier to stamp a kid's hand if it's on top of their head. Oh yeah, yeah. Rather than like you chasing their hand all over the place. Uh huh. Plus they're short, <laughs> so I can reach them. Good call. Yeah. So I say, I actually have a little song. If you put your left hand on top of your head, on top of your head. On top of your head, if you put your left hand on top of your head, I will give you a stamp. It's really Cute. dorky. I just sing that as I go around stamping everybody's left hand. I love it. Anyway, so I stamp everybody's left hand. We come in. I distribute recorders and stuff. I talk about how important it is to have a left hand on top. We do a little bit of, um, hey, if you blow out the birthday candles on your cake, put your hand in front of your mouth and blow as if you're blowing out birthday candles. Mm -hmm. How does that feel? Oh, it's cold. Oh, now let's act as though you're fogging up the window in the back seat yeah. to, like, draw a heart for Valentine's Day. Right. Oh, what does that feel like? Oh, that feels warm. You want warm, slow air in your recorder. It doesn't take much sound. I mean, excuse me. It doesn't take much air to make a really nice sound on the recorder. However, I know that when you get a new instrument, you're going to want to blow, blow, blow. And I want you to do that right here, right now. Because you're going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And third graders... We have a mission. A lot of people think the recorder is an obnoxious instrument. I'll be honest with you. And it is our responsibility to help restore the reputation of the recorder. Oh, my. As an awesome instrument. Oh, it's a noble cause. Yeah, it is. And I say, and you are a musician, and this is a musical instrument, right? Yeah. You are not a little kid with a toy. Sure. But I know that now that you've got this thing, you, you want to explore it, and it's going to get obnoxious. So I tell you what. I'm closing the door, and when I say go for it, I am plugging my ears, and I plug my ears, and you just play whatever you want to play, and I do. I plug my ears, and um, it's ugly, uh -huh. and I let it go until I've got like mm, five or six kids who are also Crying. plugging their ears. <laughs> no one's cried yet. Okay. Not even me. I would uh, <laughs> No, you know 
I, this is twofold. Okay, number one, I want them to get this exploratory stuff out of their system, right, if possible. Yeah. Number two, I want them to, like, come up against, like, ooh, look how ugly this, you know. It's kind of like gorging yourself on ice cream. So you know not to so do it again. So you understand that a little goes a long way? Yeah, but then I do it again. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. No, I, I hear <laughs> bad that. Bad example. Okay, but that's, uh, okay, bad example. That's sugar. You know, sugar. Um, no, I totally understand. So anyway, we like I said. We want them to have that experience if that sounds horrible. Well, here's the thing. If they're going to do that, I want them to do that with me and not do it at home and make the dogs, like, in the neighborhood start howling and uh-huh. whatever. Um, so after that experience... Um, then I say, okay, now we're done being kids with toys and yeah. you are a musician with the, inst- with an instrument. And from now on, you're going to play this musically to the best of your ability. And if you hear someone outside at recess or on the bus, who's being obnoxious with their instrument, and you know what that sounds like now, um, would you please stand up for <laughs> the recorder? recorder right. <laughs> yeah. And say, Hey, I play the recorder too. And I want, let's play it well now. Okay. I know I'm kind of going a little overboard and I don't have any like, you know, recorder uh, rights buttons or any of that stuff. Um, But (laughs) I do run it and still in them that, hey, this is a musical instrument. You are a musician and let's have some respect for ourselves, for our instrument. Yet you can make your dog howl and you can make horrible, ugly noises. Anybody could do that. A two-year-old could do that. But you are going to know how to make a really good sound on the recorder. Right. Anyway, that's kind of how I approach it at the very beginning. Um, and that doesn't take a, a long time. And they, right. get, they get sick of it pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, and then we say, okay, now let's play for real. Yeah. And I do something do basically exact same. That's funny I, we, that we didn't talk about this or plan this. But, yeah, same idea where I just let them go nuts. Oh, do like you? 10 oh, seconds. good. I feel better. I do. No, I do. Uh, maybe not as long as you do because I think I could give them 10 seconds and I count it down. Oh, do you? And then, okay. you know, I try to use a little bit of my sarcastic humor with them and say, well, that sounded horrible. Let's make it not sound horrible anymore. And, oh, Tanya is popular. She's getting messages. <laughs> so, anyways, we uh, we do the exact same thing. And they do. They get the idea that, yes, this instrument has the ability to sound really bad. But yeah. let's do what we need to do to make it sound good yeah exactly cool. and it, we do play some bees mm-hmm. and we do um i do spend a lot of time on finger string mm-hmm. kind of thing um where we have the left hand on top we go to practice position we talk about how uh the recorder fits the mouthpiece fits perfectly on your chin boys and girls it check does. that out and that's called practice position and if you're if you are truly in practice position you can blow and blow and blow it's not going to make a sound and so Yeah, but... But then they curl their lip, and I say, that's not practice position. Okay, That's Miss Lejeune's going to take my recorder mouthpiece away position. Yeah, and let's talk about that. What what are your your classroom management tips for for that? Because you have to do that day one. When we're doing the thing, and we go, whoo! Yeah. Yeah. Um, They lose the mouthpiece. Okay, right away? Yes, right away. Yeah. For the whole class. Guess who lost their mouthpiece first in my third grade today? Um, Can I say your daughter? Yes! (laughs) And you would be right. I would she be She right. was the first one to lose it. Oh, no. But uh, she always had that one. Yeah, and, and she's mine. So I said, <laughs> Amelia, take the mouthpiece off. And uh, I have it. I have them take the mouthpiece off, and they put it like a foot away from them. And uh-huh. then after a few minutes, I'll say, okay, put it back on. Okay, so you let them get it back. Yes, I do. <laughs> I let them get it back. <laughs> well, I mean, this is important because you have to – when you know your kids and you yeah. know Once how. upon a time, I had them finger on a stick. Back, way back when, <laughs> when I had um, one-piece recorders. Oh, when you couldn't take the mouthpiece off. When you couldn't take the mouthpiece off. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that doesn't work. Because I'm tell- if someone handed me a stick to finger on. Now you're just going to hit somebody with it? Well, no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but I'm not going to, you know. I've given a kid a pencil before. Well, because I, t- I took away the mouthpiece, and just to be spiteful, he's still trying to, like, blow into the body of the recorder. and That's know, gross. I mean, it was gross, <laughs> but, you know, then I had to take away the rest of it. I mean, what could I leave him with? Just a little stubby piece on the end? That I wasn't don't know. good. You, maybe you could get, um, like, the um, paper towel rolls 
You could cut some holes in them. Oh, no. I mean, that's that's too much effort for a kid who's being naughty. I mean, I'm I sorry. That's, yeah. No. Um, I mean, that lasted like 10 seconds just to prove the point of like, well, now you get this, you know. Okay. And, of course, he didn't do anything. He just sat there. But that was fine. Um, but it never happened again. Right. You know, you just yes. occasionally. Yeah, I do do. I do take away a lot of mouthpieces at the beginning yeah. until, I, in the, until they understand that. Yeah, I mean it. Not. And we talk about if. If you put it near your face and you breathe, it'll make a sound. Exactly. And that wasn't an accident. No. It wasn't. A, oh, but I didn't. I was like, yeah. well, then don't put it next to your face. Yeah. But that was my nose. So what? Ew. <laughs> Again. Gross. Oh, I had one year where a bunch of fourth grade boys thought it was really funny to um, play with their nose. Uh, talk oh, about sick. recorder respect. <laughs> Yeah, so oh, I do it in third grade, and I do it also play recorder in fourth grade. Right, and then right. in fifth grade they play altos. So what what do you do in third versus fourth? Uh, what we, pitches are you learning, or what? So in third grade, my goal is to, as far as pitches, is to do B A G, and a little bit of E. Because of the low la. Connection. Yeah, because of the low la. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I love BAG songs, but you know, you, they they need to go a little bit further. Uh-huh. There have been some years where I've had the third graders who are able to go to D. Uh-huh. This is kind of like how far we can get, you know. So it's not always prescribed that we exactly go this far and then stop. Um, last year's fourth, uh, last year's group who are now fourth graders, we did BAG. That was it. That was that was all we could do. Uh-huh. I also started kind of late in the year with them right. uh, because we had a program thing going on. Uh, so, yeah, I try to do B-A-G, add a low E for that low la. And um, I really like how the folk song repertoire that they've already already learned, they are playing now on the recorder. So that was going to be my next question. So, yeah, you mentioned using a recorder book. Mm-hmm. But is this a book that you've created or a book... What, no. What's the book versus what they're learning in class? Well, I use the Windsong Recorder book series. Oh, yeah. And the one that I actually start with is book two because it's the one that has, it actually has B-A-G-E-D. There is a book one that is only B-A-G songs, mm-hmm. and that's fine, but um, I just purchased the the green one, the book two, and you can get that from West Music. And then I do a lot of uh, supplementing, especially at the very beginning. Um, I have... Uh, recorder homework that I just print out of songs that I've created on Sibelius. I mean, songs that I've written out on no, Sibelius beyond Hot Cross Buns. Um, our first belt song I do is Frog in the Meadow mm-hmm. with B-A-G. Okay. Um, and then, you know, we can talk about recorder karate a little bit. Uh, but let's back up a little bit and tell me how you start uh, recorders with your fourth graders. Okay. So it depends on the situation. Um, I've done it different ways. I've done it where recorder was its own units, and every day we'd bring the recorders and we'd play. Or I've done it where it's more embedded into what we're doing all year instead of just one couple-month unit. Um, And so it just, yeah, it depends on what else we're doing in the lesson. But if I'm thinking of kind of how I'm doing recorder now, which is more of the traditional unit, kind of similar to what you said, the kids come in. I give them the recorder. We talk about, you know, the rules for when to play and when not to play. Let them go a little bit nuts on it for a little bit. And then um, uh, I introduce B as well. You know, I think for a long time I really thought in my head, I really want them to be able to walk out day one playing a song, like mm-hmm. an actual real song. You yeah. know, Hot Cross Buns is kind of the typical go-to. Um, but it's hard to get to all of that in one 45-minute no, yeah. period. So I've kind of tried to let that go by the wayside. Um, but similar to what you mentioned about having them learn folk songs that we've learned either that year or in years previous, um, you know, do, re, mi on Mm -hmm. G, A, and B. And, um, typically what I've done is I've created my own little packet of songs, like Mm -hmm. you said, using Sibelius and all folk songs, public domain things. I don't have to worry about any sort of copyright infringement. And then, um, I give them a photocopied packet, Mm -hmm. um, for my situation, because I am in a low-income school, I'm usually just happy if they're able to purchase the recorder. Yeah. And oftentimes, my kids can't always even do that. So sometimes I just give them one 
from my budget just so they all have one and I just sneak it into their desk at some point with a little note that says happy practicing and don't make a big deal out of it Um, but to have them purchase the book on top of that is a bit of a stretch so um, I found the packet situation to, to work well but yeah, very similar to what you were saying. Just make sure they can play at least B on day one mm-hmm. and then expand from there. Yeah. That left hand on top thing. Um, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another reason why I, because I understand I used to want, I remember thinking we're going to do this full first week. We're going to have hot cross buns down. Well, their finger dexterity is not there. Plus you got to have them in the habit of putting that left hand on top. Yeah. And that, for some kids, that is a big, big deal. And I have had kids who resist, resist, resist. Oh, yeah. um, And I think it's really helpful to point out, and I started doing this a few years ago, where we look at the recorder and and we say, hey, um, let's check out these holes. They are not in a line. Mm -hmm. You see how this third hole is scooched a little bit? Yeah. It's because it's made to fit your left hand. Right. Just like your ring finger is shorter than your middle finger, it is made to fit your left hand. Mm -hmm. And that's why we we have to play with our left hand on top. It doesn't matter if you're right or left-handed or any of that. And I've known um, teachers who have put, like, scrunchies on the wrist or um, little rubber bands or... Oh, there's so many different things you can do. I like doing the stamp just because I could do it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Nobody loses it. Nobody shoots it at anybody. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't really Of course, the they do put blue all over their face sometimes, but hey, <laughs> if you want to walk around like that, whatever. Hey, that's your thing. Um, here's a random question. When you are facing them and playing, do you mirror them? This came up on Facebook. Did you see this? It was on one of the elementary music uh, Facebook groups. It was like a survey. Someone said, do you mirror for the kids on recorder with your right hand on top? Yeah. Or do you play with your left hand on top? Well, I start out mirroring. Yeah. So that they are not confused. Right. And I tell them I'm doing that. I say, as I'm looking at you, this is my right hand, but it's your left hand. I'm going to mirror you. So I am playing backwards for you. It's okay, though. You just follow me, right? And then after the first couple of weeks, I go, you know, I really need to play. Now that we're playing harder stuff, I need to play with my left hand on top also. Um, And I love it when I have um, a student after a few weeks standing who who says, you know what? I tried to play with my right hand on top the other day. It just feels wrong. Oh, good. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I mirror, and I, I think I mirror way too long, and not because I'm making a conscious decision, I'm just not thinking of it, mm-hmm. and I've noticed at times where I've actually tried to play, like, legit with my left hand, I'm not so good, because I am used to playing with my right hand, it's horrible. Oh, just try it a few but, times, we'll um, get it back. No, I know, I mean, it's fine, it's We're just, just used you know, to the doing habits that we get upside into down and backwards. without thinking, and uh, it's funny, because I don't make a point to tell the kids and I just kind of it's like my own personal fun thing to wait and see which kid's gonna finally go wait a minute (laughs) you're not playing with your left hand I mean it usually happens a couple days into it but um oh my gosh okay this is a tiny little aside but the wind song recorder book that I was talking about I love the book it's a great book there's some illustrations in it that are they're cute. They're a little funky. So when you look at, there's one song, and I can't remember it. I don't have the book in front of me. But one of the songs that they play has, oh, gosh. Well, I think it's Hop Old Squirrel because there's squirrels playing the recorder, Tanya. Yeah. How cute. Um, so for Hop Old Squirrel, there's some illustrations in there. And um, one of the squirrels playing recorder has the wrong paw on top. No. I know. I'm for like, shame. I'm like, I'm not going to ditch this book because of this one. Do you give a prize to the kid who figures it out? You know what? I do mention it. Like, every time I'm like, okay, what's wrong here? What's wrong with this Um, picture? We also have a poster up in our hallway at school about yearbooks and purchasing yearbooks. Uh And they have, like, a few random pictures of random kids in school situations. And there's one with three girls standing in a row playing recorder. And the one in the middle has the wrong hand on top. No. I know. And I almost took a Sharpie to it and bit a big X and go, wrong. Wrong. (laughs) Ah, didn't do that. That's good. (laughs) They're not my posters. 
So let's talk a little bit about um, recorder karate and yes. how you incorporate that concept into the materials you're using. Because you're using the idea of the belts, but not the book. I yeah, okay. okay. Let's let's clear something up. Just generally, I want to make sure. I don't, I mean, not that it really matters, but um, the Music K8 people did not invent recorder karate. Right. The idea of recorder karate has been around yeah. for a very long time. They just marketed it marketed it yes. by putting together a sequenced list of songs. Not that there's anything wrong with this, um, but, you know, you can do recorder karate without following that specific thing. And I believe in the book it actually says that. I mean, they oh, I don't. See, I don't even have this book. I don't I, know. And I do because, in the you know, when I first started teaching, I, that's that was kind of when it was really first coming out in a big thing, the uh-huh. actual book. And I thought, okay, this is this. There's something to it. And I'm I'm pretty sure I don't have the book in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it said in there, you know, you can use your own sequence of songs mm-hmm. and use the same idea. You know, kind of like what you're saying, and kind of put my mind at ease when I decided, yeah, like, I do want to do a different sequence of songs. Yeah. I kind of change it up year by year depending on the kids. Yeah. And frankly, depending on, um, sometimes I'll get like so tired of a song that I just can't. Yes. I want to change it up. Yeah. I have never had hot cross buns be my white belt. Yeah. Because I tell the kids, this is something that I know this is your go-to, what you're going to learn first anyway. And uh-huh. yeah, we're going to play it and we're going to work on it. And I pull out this fun gym tenter, really fun accompaniment that's kind of dorky and we play along with that accompaniment um but i say it's not your belt though it's not a white belt you're gonna learn hot cross buns i know it that's awesome but uh, frog in the meadow is our first white belt okay it's still stepwise i still do hot cross buns and i think for me i like giving them that feeling of like that really immediate satisfaction of like yes i'm gonna get my white belt and it felt good so now i want to keep going I see her point, though. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I understand why people do do that. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. But um, I also do recorded karate in third grade and in fourth grade. Right. So how does that work? Well, I just, the the um, sequence of songs are just much more challenging. So do they start over with a new white belt in fourth grade? Yes. Oh, I see. Okay. They do. I don't, I don't, I don't go into like, you know, straight fuchsia belt. I don't do like. So they go I guess white you through could. black in third, and then uh-huh. white through black in fourth. Exactly. Oh, okay. And yeah, so I'm, I'm doing, yeah, we get a white belt again. It's the fourth grade white belt. Here's the fourth grade yellow belt and I all see. that. Well, that would solve my problem of the trans, transient population thing I was saying earlier. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you'd have less kids um, who would be like, what, I got my white belt in third grade, and yeah. now I have to, I'm, and I get a tiny bit of that, but I'm yeah. like, yeah, but this is a fourth grade white belt. Right. Uh, and my paddle is my, the canoe song is my yeah. first white belt, um, generally, usually, in fourth grade, because we have just done our Cinco Pa. Yeah. Um, and it's great, because you've got the B, A, G, E, and D. Yeah. B, B, A, G, E, E, you know. Do they have to do the half hole on the high E? No. We repeat the B. Oh. I do the same thing. Yeah. I wonder if you told me to but, do it a while ago. Well, and here's and here's the fun thing. And if you don't know, um, and I, where, oh hey, I've got my recorder. I can oh, actually play it for us. I can Tanya. be it. I can be in tune. Yay! So when we do my paddle, we just re- instead of flushing with silver. We just flesh in with silver. And then after we've been playing my paddle together as a class for a while, I go, okay. Um, I show them the music that has like the in parentheses high E. Uh-huh. And we talk about the half hole on the back. And if you want to, we can, some of you can play the high E. It makes a really nice harmony. It oh, sounds nice. like this on the piano, you know, or cool. hey, you play. This half of the room, you play the B, I'll play the E. Let's hear what it sounds like together. Yeah. And I always have a, a few takers who will do it and do it well because we talk about how you got to back off on that and yeah. not make it a punchy sound. And right. by fourth grade, they can handle these kind of like subtle things. Yeah. Um, and it's a fun challenge. It is a fun challenge. And I don't have any problem with alternating, altern- doing an alternate note for that one note. Right. For my pedal. Yeah. So, as long yeah. As they know that it is the alternate note. Yeah. Not- 
we syncope a bunch, a bunch, a bunch um, in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my belts, is it my second belt or my third belt? We we figure out uh, ipoe tai tai a, uh, and for that belt, they have to figure it out by ear. Oh, fun. So we've played the game um, with the sticks. We've sung the song, and then I say, I'll, I'll tell you the first two notes of this. It's, it's this, you know, uh, and you have to figure out the rest by ear. Yeah. Instead of reading it. Okay. But that's fourth grade. That's cool. Yeah. So tell me about your testing process then, how they earn the belts. Are they testing individually, groups, partners, during class, outside of class? Um, What's your thing? My thing is during class, and I like to hear them in groups of four or less. Yeah. And I do this through stations. Okay. So I pretty much, once we've had a few whole group lessons where we're all playing together, Um, And even when we're all playing together in a class time, I give them practice, little bits of practice time. Like, okay, we just looked at this new song and we just worked through it. Now, why don't you take 30 seconds to practice these four measures on your own, right? Mm -hmm. But not much longer because then it gets crazy. Uh, So we do the whole group lessons and then I'll start bringing in some classes where, some lessons where we do um, the recorder stations around the room. And that's not everybody playing recorder at every station. I generally have four or five stations, usually five stations. And um, on one station, one station is a practice station where they are practicing. And that is the one that happens right before the testing station. Okay. And that's my station where when they're in that station, they can test for a belt. Yeah. Um, And their groups are usually five or less. So it's perfect. If they want to play it all together, they can do that. Sometimes, especially as we get further into it, we have kids who are on different belts mm-hmm. within a group, and that's fine because we've got some time at that station that, okay, I'm going to hear the people who are doing yellow. Now I'm going to hear the people who are doing green or you know yeah. whatever it is. And then once the time is out on the station, that group leaves me, and they cannot test for a belt because they're not in the testing belt station. So I have something on the smart board going on, I usually have like a matching game uh, that usually has to do with um, reading on the treble staff. And this is where I want to plug some friends stuff because um, Amy, Amy Abbott, I use Amy's treble clef is awesome. She's got some awesome matching cards with, with the Lego characters on there. Yeah. Uh, not just uh, single notes, but also spelled out on the staff, like bagged, and you have to match them. So I use Amy's uh, matching stuff at one, one of my stations. Um, also, David Rao from Make Moments Matter has a really nice uh, fishing for a melody set. Yeah, I have he's that one got, too. Yeah, he's got those cards, and I have kids who are at that station um, putting those cards together. Um, and what I like to do for stations is have them kind of uh, I, I want to make sure that not every station is making noise, mm-hmm. right? So if I have a station at the smart board where they're doing some kind of trouble staff letter matching thing or identification thing, that's that's fine. They're not playing recorders. And when they're at that station, their recorders are not on them. They have to be set aside. Right. When they're at the matching station, same thing. Recorders are set aside. They're not playing them. Uh, but then I have another station, a third station where they're playing the recorder songs, but on glockenspiels. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's really nice because glockenspiels are kind of quieter. No one's banging on a metallophone or a xylophone. Um, so they're just transferring it to a glockenspiel and they're playing on the glockenspiel. And then I have a practice station and then I have a testing station. So here's a very specific logistical question then. What about the first group who goes to the testing station who hasn't had a chance to practice? Yeah, I kind of let them have the first couple of minutes just like. Okay, okay. But, you know, it's interesting because I always have kids that when they walk in the room, they're like, I'm ready to test right now. Oh, okay. So I usually have within a group like a couple of takers. Yeah. And then if not, I'm like, okay, well, why don't you guys just take a couple of minutes here. Yeah. And then I'll hear you. And it's it's worked out so much better. I tell you what, there were a couple years there where I did like a line of yeah. kids. Yeah. 
and I tried to avoid having a line of kids. I tried different things. I was like, I'll call you up. Right. Everyone else is practicing or you guys are doing this worksheet and you guys are doing this and I'll call you up. It just wasn't working for me. Yeah. Like I could not control what was going on because it, it, you know, even though they had something they were supposed to be doing that was not necessarily playing their recorder, it felt like more of a free-for-all. There was not enough of a specific task at hand, and it lasted too long. Right. Because yeah. you can't say, gosh, even if you were to sit an adult down and say, hey, there's 45 minutes here, practice. Okay, first of all, you got to teach them how and what to practice, and right. that's a challenge right. in itself. And then they're around all their friends. Yeah. Are you kidding me? If you put me and you, like, you know, in a room with, like, Amy and, like, a couple other friends and they said, hey, um, why don't you um, do this music theory? We wouldn't get very much done. No, we would not. (laughs) And we're adults. Because we would be talking about this. I know. So, anyway. So then do you end up doing those stations then or centers, like, every class period then for a very long time? So if they're able to test every time they see you? I try to alternate between oh, okay. like so this if this class time is a stations and testing time, then the next class period time is mostly going to be us in a group. So then how many weeks on average then does your recorder time last? A long time. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> about you two months. give them yeah. ample time yeah. to the test. And, there, and, and it is not like I I like I said, I try to alternate, but then I do have some uh, lessons where it's like last week was stations and now this week is stations because I know I have so many kids who are ready to test and right. I make sure they have that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And do you let kids come in outside of class to I do, do testing if they I do. were absent or whatever? Yes, I do. Because you always have those kids that are just like, they're heartbroken because they were ready. And, and I want to encourage their, you know, if they're enthusiastic yeah. enough to come in after school or something, I want that. I want yeah. them to be able to do that. I was so psyched because um, our our school is, in theory, a one-to-one school, and last year it was iPads, and I thought, I'm so excited to be able to, like, use technology. Maybe they can submit their recorder test to me via Google Classroom or Seesaw or one of those, or take a video and email it to me. I mean, just something simple, but this year we switched where they want older kids using Chromebooks instead of iPads, which makes more sense for state testing, they have to type on Chromebooks, and it's better practice. But we're not one-to-one anymore then. They have mm-hmm. Chromebook carts that are shared. The kids oh, can't take them home. They, right. It's not their own. They're not logged in constantly. So there goes that idea. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, but honestly, I mean, did you ever experience it where you were able to, able to record kids and then look at them and then give them a bell? It seems extremely time-consuming exactly. for the teacher as well. Yeah, and that's why I, I didn't get to it last year. I mean, being my first year at that new school, I thought, I'm just happy if I know all these kids' names. <laughs> but you year. know what? I, I bet there are people who have had success. As a matter of fact, yeah. if you are listening and you have been to our well, come be on our Facebook page yes. um, and tell us about your successful time that you've had doing testing where you have them recorded or email it to you or some kind of video or something. Yeah. I would really tips. like to hear about that because yeah. I've been kind of down on that idea because I want to be in person one-on-one and I can go, oh, hey, I see you're leaking on this hole. Yeah. Let's seal that up. And I would like to see or hear about how it's been successful. Right. Because, boy, I mean, you really could get a lot done that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, I do, you know, kind of similar to what you're doing, but I do the mass everyone practicing at once and call you up for testing. And I think I've just modified it throughout the years for a way that it works for me. I kind of think of my recorder classes as like the writer's workshop model, if mm-hmm. you're kind of familiar with that. You know, they call it the circle lesson where, you know, you have your mini lesson at the beginning and that's where we we do a warm-up of a couple of known songs. That's when then I might introduce the song that the bulk of the students are kind of working on, Mm -hmm. whatever new pitch we need to learn or new skill. We play it together as a class. And that's usually 15 to 20 minutes of all of us together. And then they have 10 to 15 minutes of you know, independent work time, and that's when they're playing in groups. And um, something that I've just 
found success with too is I'm very intentional about I I put them into groups mm-hmm. and it's not only based on what song they're working on but also within that song you know I have kiddos who maybe have attempted to test and didn't pass mm-hmm. because um, and it's usually for me it's it's the note reading that really is what's tripping them up more than anything mm-hmm. that they're not reading the pitches correctly and oftentimes it is my special needs kiddos we have a lot of kids on IEPs in my school and I found that if I just kept saying no you don't pass no you don't pass no you don't pass mm-hmm. week after week after week then I have my my some kiddos who are all the way on their black belt where I have some kids who are still on their yellow sure. and it was creating a lot of tension so I started kind of creating the scaffolding system where then I would say well you get a redo but I give them a copy of my packet where I have written in the letters over the mm-hmm. staff. And when I when I assess them, part of the grade is how well they're playing and part of it is embedded how well they read. Yeah. So if it's the reading that's tripping them up, okay, maybe your, your reading score is going to go down. But if you're able to play it with the letter names written in, mm-hmm. well, at least then I say you pass with help. And then I give them their belt, and they can at least move on to the next Well, song. yeah, and that's modification that yeah, they would get in the exactly. regular classroom. But yeah. I have a lot of kids who need well, that sure. modification. Do you use the complete recorder resource? I don't know this. Oh, my gosh, because this is the thing that I love about the complete recorder resource. It's, and then you can get this at West Music. Is It's a total reproducible package. Okay. And there's a book one and book two, and it's got a lot of the same tunes. Yeah. But they um, have... The whole there's the there's the book with everything written on the staff, and then there's the exact same book duplicated, but all of the notes it's they call it kids notes have the letters written oh, on t- on right. the note head yeah, right yeah so and this is this has always been my bugaboo is that kids want to write in the letter names right above or below the staff but they're not reading the staff exactly. anymore right but yeah. so with this at least they're sh- they're they're Eyes are following the melodic contour, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe they're making the connection of, oh, I see a B is written in that note head, that note head's on a line, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So um, I have a bunch of notebooks where I copied the re- complete recorder resource because you're allowed to do that at your at your schools when you buy it. And um, when kids are struggling with the note reading, I say, okay, you can use the yellow pages because all of those pages I made yellow. Yeah. Exactly. So if you really need the yellow pages to yeah. read this one, you can use the yellow pages. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I do. I, I just call it the, the letter book, and they know right. that, you know, I've tried I've tried this test, and I just can't pass it with the regular book. I'm going to try the letter book. And then some of them will play it with the letter book and then say, you know what, I'm going to go back to the regular book and try it again nice. for a better grade because they know, you know, and I – I don't make a big deal out of it. I'm not calling them out in front of their peers. This is always a one-on-one conversation. But, sure. you know, there's just a point where I just was feeling bad for those kids who simply could not pass their recorder test because, because of the reading was getting in the way. Right. Um, so, anyways, what I end up having is, you know, these groups based on levels. And even though I might have two groups working on the same song, one is with the regular book and one's with the letter book. And, mm-hmm. and so then I do call them up as a group, as a whole group. Um, and then, of course, it gets sticky then because then in the, within that group that just tested, these kids might have passed. So how many do you do in like a group? So typically four. Right. Four. Any more than four, I can't four, really. Yeah. And then when you have like four kids that are, are playing the same song, um, you see the one that's staring at someone else's hands. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> and sometimes I say, you know what, I'm going to have to have you try that again by yourself. Yeah. And I send the rest of them on their own. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know what you're saying about having them all play at once, and it can be hard, but um, it, it's been okay for me. No, that's great. And one thing I do <laughs> tend to do is if I'm doing just that all-out recorder unit where we're playing – Every class, whole time, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I tend to do it in the spring, and I go outside, and oh, we play outside. Nice. And that really helps, too, because then we can spread out. Right. And it's not so loud. So I know we've discussed a lot, but there's actually so much more we could go into because, boy, there's some awesome things that you can do with improvisation and ensemble work. Yeah. With adding more instruments, with adding some of the xylophone and telephones and other recorders. Um, I bring in altos later on. There's compositional stuff we haven't even touched on. So do you think we could, like, do a part two sometime? Let's do a part two. Yeah, because we've talked a lot. 
And if you have specific questions or ideas that you want us to discuss in our part two, definitely give us a holler on Facebook. Yes, that would be the Music Teacher Coffee Talk Facebook page. Yes. tip where we share an idea of something that has just saved us time and energy in our classroom. Okay. So, uh, Tanya, yeah. what do you have for us Well, today? along the lines of the recorder karate belts, um, and I know that this is not a new idea and it's not my original idea, but I do use those um, loom. Rubber band. The little rubber band things, the colored rubber bands you can yeah. get at the craft stores. Um, they fit perfectly on the recorder. I haven't had any problems with kids trying to shoot them at each other. No. Not at all, because they value those. Yeah, absolutely. And I really haven't had any problems with them breaking either. Occasionally, if I get a batch that might be a little, you know, cheaper than another, uh-huh. I mean, it's kind of random. But I'm also pretty good with the kids about if you lost it and you need a new one, just let me know. Mm-hmm. And if a kid comes back 10 times, then we've got problems. Yeah. Well, and I, I, after I've replaced it like twice, I say the next one, you, ha- you owe me a nickel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a bonus. This is kind of a fun little bonus. If you get a, like, you can get bags that have all the colors mixed up. If you have a student who needs to focus on something else. They can separate your colors. Exactly. Oh, good call. Yeah, and I've actually had kids who just love doing that and have begged to come in during recess so they can come in and separate all of my colors. Oh, so nice. Yeah. Now we've reached our code section where we each share a professional or a personal recommendation, something we've been uh, enjoying just in our daily lives, maybe uh, school related, maybe not. So Carrie, tell us what you've got. All right. Well, I'm going to recommend um, some YouTube videos that I've been sharing with my kiddos. I've been teaching um, instruments of the orchestra lately yes. and different families to each grade and there is a group of videos and if you look up house of sound you'll find them and um i believe that they're clips from some sort of british show i'm not really sure the whole background of it but we'll put links to it of on our show notes but there are different videos for each of the families and um what i love about it is it really does go into the science of of how the instruments work like for example in the woodwind one um, they talk about how you can make a woodwind instrument out of a straw, and then they cut the straw to different lengths to show how different lengths make different pitches. That's awesome. And yeah. um, it's it's very child friendly. I've shown these videos, you know, first grade through fourth, and um, they've all and they're, it's funny and they're short. They're like five to six minutes. They show you know videos of of real instruments in the orchestra, and then all their crazy creations all like right. making a woodwind instrument out of a carrot which the kids thought was hilarious oh yeah so so they're good i definitely recommend them if you want to teach your kids about instruments of the orchestra nice all right tanya what Uh, have you been enjoying lately well my uh, older students my sixth graders and my fifth graders have been doing a world drumming unit and when i say world drumming i really mean african drumming um because we are doing um a lot of stuff specifically from ghana um, I used to drum, used to drum, uh, play the djembe in a drumming group, and a lot of this stuff I just take from my own experiences, although I do supplement with some other things. And I, I do a lot of uh, West African mm-hmm. stuff, but there is a resource that I have used and that I'm starting to use again. It's been a while, uh, but it's called Kenya Sing and Dance, and it is a book, and it is also, uh, there's some videos that go along with it. And it's just a fantastic resource because not only are you learning the, the songs, and it's East African, but um, there's dances to go with it. And uh, it's just a, such a fun resource that I am looking forward to digging into again and using with my fifth graders and sixth graders. And I'll leave a link to that. Love it.
We have reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. When you subscribe and when you rate us, um, and if you leave a little review, it really does help point other music teachers towards our little podcast. Let me give you a little walkthrough real quick on how to uh, rate and review us. So if you are on an iPhone, if you go to the little purple button, the application that said pod, says podcast, and you go there, if you are not already subscribed to us, then in the little search bar, you just type in Music Teacher Coffee Talk, and it should pop right up, Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you hit our little um, two coffee cups drawing with the music coming out, and you look there, you'll see our five stars, education, the description, and you have to scroll down past recent episodes. You have to keep scrolling until you kind of get to the middle of the page where it says ratings and reviews. And there's a few ratings there. And then there's a little place in purple that says write a review. If you click on that, then you can write a review and post it. If you are already subscribed, you don't have this option straight from the Music Teacher Coffee Talk show in your feed. You really have to go and search for that. Uh, so that's how you do it from an iPhone. And that would be great if you wanted to give us a review. We would really appreciate it. We would love to have some more listeners. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie wishing you happy musicking. <laughs>